And welcome back to another edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, with, yes, not much of a voice. You're going to hear a whole lot less of me <laughs> on this week's episode. Luckily, this didn't hit me until about Tuesday, until about Monday night into Tuesday. So you'll definitely be able to tell what part of the week things were recorded this week. Luckily, uh, the only segments that are really going to be affected is my chat with Devin Albertson and the Bearcats, according to Eli, which we have a little more fun with. And there's a way for you to be interactive with the podcast um, going forward or from from next week. For this week to, for next week's episode, I should say. So I'm going to keep it to a minimum here talking about the 36-3 to victory over Northeastern State on homecoming, which kind of a last-minute thing was able to go to the game. And so uh, my, my dad duties got pushed off, so I was not disappointed about that. The highlight of the game for me, honestly, was Elijah Green's fake punt or, or his pass reception on a fake punt on the jump pass for Mikey Hohensey, who is this week's player interview. So I'm excited to talk to uh, Mikey this week. Also joining me, by the way, to break down the University of Nebraska Carney Lopers is the voice of the Lopers, Jason Jorgensen, also with a great place to eat if you're one of the folks making the road trip to Carney, which is the plan for Eli and myself and Devin Albertson. As I mentioned, he will be joining me as well to, to kind of mention the first 10 teams in the regional rankings, you know, the, they're, I don't know, they're not really rankings or they weren't this week, uh, more of just a list of 10 teams. The Bearcats not there, not shocking. The, honestly, due to resume, we don't deserve to be there. Now, before you start throwing things at your <laughs> smart device or your computer, um, if we win these next three games, I'm pretty confident we're going to be one of those seven teams. Maybe not. There's a, there's a chance. We don't control our own destiny. But it certainly seems like, you know, you, you'll definitely add a couple of different teams to, uh, you know, opponents over 500. Our strength of schedule is going to go way up. And so, um, anyway, so we'll just kind of see what happens. But I, I know it depends. If you're one of the people that, that watches the regional rankings like myself, and there's a whole lot of people who are a lot smarter than me that do as well. Um, <clears throat> there's no surprise that the Bearcats aren't in there, but and, and we may not be until the very final regional rankings, quite frankly, in that top seven. Um, but got a big game this week that you got to win first. And so all three of these last three games are probably going to be tough games. But back to the Northeastern, a victory over Northeastern State on homecoming. Um, you know, get out of it relatively injury free. I mean, we did have uh, Andrew Theobald go out, uh, go off injured. When the game notes came out this week, he's listed as the starting left tackle. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. Trevon Alexander is is back in the two deep. Don't know that he'll necessarily play, but he did, hadn't even dressed the last couple of games. So uh, you know, we saw a little bit of Braden Wright back last week with Mikey, and so. That, uh, you know, it seems like the team, I'm not going to say is is getting healthy, but maybe healthier. You know, we, we saw Mitch Goff back last week, which I think is massive on that offensive line, especially when you look either side of him and you've got redshirt freshmen starting on that line. And so, you know, I, we should have pretty much the best team uh, fielded 
that 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 is healthy and ready to go. At least with guys on the roster and everything, looks like we'll have. Um, you know, are they all healthy now? Nah, at this point of the season, everybody's kind of banged up. So we'll uh, we'll definitely see how that goes. By the way, I will mention one thing. I'll, I'll go ahead and point out a mistake that I made last week when I talked about Keaton Ricky. He is a sophomore. He's not a freshman. I, in fact, as as soon as I uh, um, released that, I realized I didn't have anybody catch me or point me out. But I'll I'll go ahead and own that one. And uh, but anyway, I stick by what I said. Dude's going to be a monster. Him and Niall Shewitt, by the way, on the interior of that D line here in a year or two. They're going to be studs. I mean, there's a lot of really good players on that D-line, young guys. But, you know, we've got a, an Elijah Green with with 10 sacks. I was really hoping he would get a couple of sacks in the game last week's with that pass reception on the fake punt so he could have the uh, win the Don Black Award. I thought that would have been really cool. But Kashawn Griffin, I mean, come on. The guy's absolutely electric. And every time he touches the ball, I don't, I don't even know if – is he 100%? I don't even know if we know that he is. You know, he certainly – was uh, was injured, missed a game or two earlier in the season, but that guy has kind of separated himself in that receiving core as being a really special playmaker. It's really exciting, exciting to see that. So, that being said, I'm I'm about to run out of voice here, <laughs> and so so let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll start off with this week's player interview with Mikey Hoensey. That's next year on Bleeding Green. Hey, Bearcat fans, this is Mel Churchman, former Bearcat coach. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. And it's time here on Bleeding Green for this week's player interview. Joined by junior number nine, the quarterback, Mikey Hohensee. And uh, Mikey, man, thanks for taking some time and, and joining me again here on Bleeding Green. Thank you for having me on. So, so, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about you. I mean, we know, you know, we, we do know some, some about you, but tell me kind of about your childhood and, and growing up and how, how, uh, you know, cause you're, you're from just outside of Chicago, right? Yeah. Um, I'm from a town called St. Charles. It's probably around 35 minutes outside of, uh, Chicago. And, uh, we probably moved there when I was eight years old. Um, my dad was a arena football coach growing up my whole life. So I was always around the game and that's kind of how I fell in love with it. And so uh, do you have lots of memories of, you know, going to games and practices and stuff like that? Oh yeah. The, I love, I always loved going to practices with them and uh, going to games early with them, being able to play on the field while, you know, everyone's kind of getting ready for the game. I'm out there having the time of my life on the field. Um, and it was cool to be able to sit in meetings with my dad. I always loved the experience and just being around all the players. It, it was a great environment for me. Well, so did you play other sports growing up besides just football? Yeah, I played football, basketball, and baseball. Was, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it seems like football was kind of your, your first love. Was that always the case? Yeah, I always loved football the most. Um, I used to, I used to be good at baseball and then, once people started pitching a little faster and throwing curveballs, I wasn't I wasn't that great of a baseball player. I was more of a pitcher. And uh, basketball was probably my second favorite sport, though. Uh, I played up until my freshman year of high school, and I looked in the mirror, saw that I was 5'6", 140 pounds my freshman year, and realized I probably need to start lifting more in the offseason of football <laughs> to get bigger. So I, uh, I stuck to this football from that point on, and... Uh, really focused on my off-season training at that point. 
well, obviously, I mean, now your quarterback, you, you were, you know, a great punter and, and are a great punter now. What, uh, was that kind of always the case or did you play other, other positions growing up or was it always going to be quarterback for you? Yeah. When I first started football, I was a wide receiver, but not many people could throw the ball to me. So, uh, probably when I moved here, uh, I mean, not here, when I moved to St. Charles, when I was eight years old is when, uh, I started to play quarterback. And ever since then I've been a quarterback and I've always been our team's punter, uh, as well, just cause it was easy to move me back. So me and my dad worked on punting as well. And I never thought I'd be doing it at the college level, but I'm glad I am. <laughs> well, and so are we, um, was college football always, always a goal? I mean, was that always one of the things you wanted to do as, as you were growing up? Yeah, a hundred percent. I wanted to follow the same path. Uh, you know, my dad did and all of his players did being around them. They were my idols growing up, my dad and all of his teams. And I just wanted to be, do the same things that they do. So at what point, you know, in, in your high school career, did you really start getting kind of serious looks from, from different schools, different colleges? Well, uh, my junior year, I was not the starter at my high school. We had a three-year starter ahead of me. So it was kind of hard to push him out and get that spot. So I didn't start until my senior year. Um, and that's basically when I started getting all my looks is my senior year of high school. Were there some, some colleges that came after you particularly hard? that you remember um i really didn't get all the interest that i really wanted to get until after the season um really during the year it was just kind of people stopping by saying saying hello to me and that i'll be put down on their list um but it wasn't until after the season where colleges started to really pursue me more so, so going to your, your high school days, do you have any favorite games or favorite plays that, that really stick out to you? Yeah, uh, my two favorite games was one playing our rivals, St. Charles East, uh, the, the Crosstown Classic. It was a huge game in our community, and it's, it's always a great game every year. I'm pretty sure our, uh, the North Stars won again this year, so they got the trophy back where it belongs, and I'm very happy about that. And uh, the other game for me was playing Batavia um, during our last regular season game because we were their only loss of the year. They actually went on to win state that year. And it was a big game. It was for the conference championship, and we ended up pulling it out at the end. So those two games were probably the most fun I've had uh, in my high school career. So, you know, when it came down to to kind of picking college colleges, uh, you know, after high school was over and w where you wanted to go, what what ones were you seriously considering? And then what uh, wh why ended up did you end up coming to Northwest? Uh, yeah, there were a few schools I was looking at. I was really just trying to find the, the right one for me. And then um, one one random uh, Friday, I, I kept getting a bunch of calls from a number that I didn't know. Um, and I wasn't answering it. I was, I was with my friends. I think we're, you know, playing hoops at the gym. And then, uh, I, I look at my phone and my, my dad, I have a bunch of missed calls from my dad. And apparently, uh, coach Flora was here at the time was trying to contact me, um, to get up for a visit the very next day. And actually my, my dad used to coach with someone that used to coach at Northwest named Brian Schwartz. So they, they ended up calling Brian Schwartz to call my dad to call me <laughs> to pick up the phone. So I eventually got in touch with him, uh, came down for a visit, 
uh, that Saturday, left Sunday, and I called him on the way back uh, to Chicago telling him that I was committing. So uh, it was a very quick thing that happened with Northwest, but I'm glad it happened. <laughs> Yeah, I'm awesome. That's that's awesome. Well, well, and you know, you talk about that 2018 class that you were a part of. I mean, so many guys are you know are key parts of of this team as well. You know, you know, and I know that's something from talking to you know former players and current players and things. That kind of redshirt year is really kind of a bonding year. Talk about your bond with the guys that that you came in with that, that 2018 class. Yeah, I'm great friends with everyone from my class. Uh, it's cool to see you know, old pictures of all of us from freshman year and how different we look and how different we were then uh, compared to now. But yeah, my, my class of the class of 2018, we're doing pretty well on the field. Uh, you know, we got a lot of guys that have key roles in helping out and it, it's just great to see us from then to now and how much we've grown both as people and football players. Well, and then we go to 2019. Obviously, you're you're punting. You're you're kind of coming in as as kind of a change of pace guy. Remember that pit game at Arrowhead where you threw a couple of touchdowns, um, and uh, you know then then kind of COVID happens, and then coming into last season, I expect you you probably expect it would be kind of a similar role, and then unfortunately Braden's injury happens. Talk about last season because it was it was probably some good and bad for you. Of course, then you fought your own injuries. Kind of what what was last season like for you overall, and and what kind of roller coaster ride was it? Yeah, it was a crazy season for sure. We all wanted it to, to end better than it did. We had high expectations for that year for sure. Um, every game I, I kind of went in to it preparing as if I were the starter because I knew, you know, one snap away from having to go in and all of a sudden you're the guy. Injuries happen all the time. Um, and then that thing happened with Braden, which was a shock to our whole team. And I knew you know, a lot of seniors stayed behind that year to play one more year because they knew we had something good going. So I didn't want to let them down either. And uh, we ended up having a pretty good year. And first week of the playoffs, you know, I tear my knee, non-contact injury, crazy, crazy how it all went down. But uh, it's not how we wanted the season to end, but it was a great year for sure. Well, and and. I want to talk about your your relationship with Braden because it's something that has really struck me and and it seems like both of you guys are kind of each other's biggest fan. I know I I you know don't get to watch a lot of practices. I came to one. I've mentioned it several times here here on Bleeding Green about, you know, when one of you makes a play, the first guy to come congratulate one is, you know, if it's Braden, it's you or vice versa. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of something special. Talk about your guys' relationship and, and how helpful that is probably for both of you. Yeah, it's great. I mean, at the end of the day, we both just want to win games and uh, we help each other out by doing that. You know, whether it's in practice or the game or in the film room, we're always talking about, you know, what do we see here? What do we like here? Uh, just things like that. So we, we just support each other, you know, on and off the field. We're good friends. And at the end of the day, we just want to win football games. So that's the best way to do it. Awesome. Well, I've got the uh, I've got the pick six here locked and loaded for you. Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, first one's always the same. What what uh, you have any? Are you superstitious guy? Do you have any like pregame rituals or things you have to do the same before every game? Um, you know, I just uh, I kind of wear the same undershirt or uh, tights depending on what what color we're wearing that game. So I only got I only got two shirts I'd wear during a game and two different uh, tights that I'd wear during a game. 
And I always wear my same short white socks. Other than that, I'm not superstitious, but <laughs> I guess I am. Yeah, I never really thought about it, but yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're here in October, and uh, what is your, so that's where this question's come from. What's your favorite ever Halloween costume? Man, um, it probably has to be when I was a young kid and I dressed up as Scooby-Doo on Halloween. Uh, that, was, that was probably my favorite. I was a huge Scooby-Doo fan growing up, watched all the shows, uh, all the different eras of the show and all the movies, of course. So, yeah, probably Scooby-Doo. He was my favorite growing up. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Third question of the pick six. What movie do you quote the most? Oh, man. Um, probably, uh, you know, I like I, I like quoting just funny quotes from movies. So probably, you know, Kevin Hart or Will Ferrell type quotes from movies is uh is probably what i go to the most uh i i love movies i'm watching movies all the time so just different quotes on whatever whatever the movie of the month is and it's usually a funny one all right perfect i'm i'm a will ferrell guy anchorman's mine so yeah Anchorman, so, uh, hey, that's a good <laughs> <laughs> all right fourth question of the pick six do you have a weird food combination you like for instance i have a friend who likes peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwiches which is really weird Wow. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I got any uh, weird food combos, but, you know, I, I do love Cliff Bars, uh, the chocolate chip Cliff Bars. Everyone always makes fun of me uh, for eating my Cliff Bars. I probably have like two or three a day. So I guess that that's a weird thing to do with food, I'd say. But uh Probably, probably my obsession with eating Cliff Bars, for sure. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fifth question of the pick six. What app do you spend the most time on on your phone? Oof. Um, what app do I spend the most time on on my phone? I'd probably say Twitter or just texting uh, my family or friends. So you're the texting one or I'm on Twitter just scrolling through different things. Uh, always on the Explore page trying to see what's going on around the world. So I'd probably say Twitter. Okay. All right. Final question. What is your favorite video game or video game series of all time? Uh, I've all, of all time, I've always loved Madden. Uh, every year I'd be... You know, at the pre-order, trying to get the the new Madden game out, even though they're all relatively the same game. Um, I was always obsessed with Madden growing up, and to this day, I'll even still, you know, beat my buddies in Madden when I have to. Uh, <laughs> so that's always fun. Nice, awesome. Well, Mikey, that's all I got for you. I sure appreciate your time, man, and and wish you and and the team the best of luck the rest of the season. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Time to go to the other sidelines. Joined now by the voice of the Nebraska Carney Lopers. It's Jason Jorgensen. And Jason, man, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and chatting some uh, Loper and Bearcat football with me. Well, absolutely. It's uh, always a pleasure to be on with you. Well, and we know what a big game this weekend is, of course, homecoming. We'll, we'll get to all that in a moment. I kind of want to talk a little bit about, about Carney here so far this season. Obviously, 6-2 and two is probably not what either one of these teams had in mind when the season started. But uh, really, I mean, it's kind of like the playoffs have, have already started. I think both these teams know they need to need to win out to at least have a shot. What What's the mood around 
you know, uh, this team and, and, and coach Lynn and, and where they, where they're at right now this season. You know, it, it's kind of different, as you said, uh, you know, maybe not expecting to be six and two. They would look at that and be a little bummed. But as, as Coach Lynn said, uh, when I talked to him last week, he said two losses at this point in the year. He's like, we would have gladly taken this three, four years ago. So it it really shows how far the, the program has come. Uh, the game they certainly would like to have back in the last what was it? Uh, minute they'd like to have back against Pittsburgh State. That that was a meltdown. They 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 should not have lost that game the way they did. That game at least should have gone to overtime. And of course, we've all seen what kind of a year that Pittsburgh State has gone on to have. But that one hurts. You you shouldn't get beat over the top like that with a sixty plus yard. Uh, touchdown pass in the waning moments, but they, they put that one in the rear view mirror, then played some pretty good football. And then they were just flat out dominated by uh, Emporia state that day. The, the Hornets were clearly the better team. Uh, they slowed down TJ Davis in the uh, offense and uh, on the defensive end, the Lopers have always struggled, seem to struggle against spread teams that go quickly. And Emporia state that day was in high gear and, Lopers just couldn't stop them. Uh, 44-21, that was uh, certainly a disappointment. But they focused back in last week. They beat Lincoln like most people do, although they didn't mess around with them. It was 14 nothing in the first five minutes, and UNK you know, could have, like most programs in the MIAA, they could have named the score on Lincoln that day. And uh, they, they did play well on Saturday. It would have been easy to walk in there and not play well, but they, they played well when they beat Lincoln 66-17. Well, I want to go back to that Emporia game because I think not necessarily that, that Emporia could have won that game wasn't a shock around around the rest of the conference. I was I was pretty surprised surprised by how that game kind of played out. What what was it? I mean, was it a similar situation kind of to to last year in Maryville, right, where one thing goes wrong and then it just kind of snowballs? Um, oh, a, a little, you know, uh, UNK scored and went right down the field. They have been excellent this year. I believe it's eight straight games in which the Lopers have scored on their opening possession. So they were ready to go. They got out to a you know, 7-0 lead, and then Emporia comes back and hit the Lopers with a 65-yard pass three plays into the game. And then Emporia State scored 17 quick points. Lopers came back with a touchdown. It was 17-14, about midway through the second quarter, and then Emporia took control. Uh, they had a long touchdown drive at the end of the first half to go up 10, and then they just came out second half dominated the Lopers. They had 17 quick points in the third quarter, and that game pretty much was over. So there were a few similarities to the to the uh, nightmare that unfolded last year when the Lopers took on uh, Northwest Missouri, but uh, it was, it just wasn't a good day that the Lopers did not have a good day on either side of the ball against Emporia state. Well, and you know, for the cure for what ails you seems to be Lincoln. I mean, everybody yeah. seems to be going to have a big, have a big good week against them. TJ Davis looked like scored on the three drives he was in, three touchdowns, and and the backup quarterback came in and and played a good good portion of the game, played pretty well. And I don't know, you know, how much can you look at a game like that? I mean, sixty six seventeen is impressive. You know, I think the Bearcats scored fifty eight points and turned the ball over a bunch against Lincoln, and and a lot of people were pretty pretty disappointed after that game. But but uh, you know how how is the feeling? I mean, can can you look too much at, at that game, or was it just about getting those young guys reps? It, it was that, and the biggest thing was the Lopers. They wanted, if they could, 
to go in, establish things early, and they get some of their top guys out so they did not have as many snaps to play on Saturday. That's the biggest thing, I, I think. Uh, you know, they had a plan the way they wanted that to, to work out, and it worked out beautifully. I don't, I don't know if they could have scripted it any better. And you mentioned uh, Sean Johnson Jr., the uh, backup quarterback, redshirt freshman, who never really played much in a game. And, and I know it was against Lincoln, but he – he showed he's, and I've seen him practice before. He is he is a very very talented player who has uh, just you know been in the shadow of T.J. Davis, but he got his chance to shine on Saturday, and he and a number of other uh, younger players certainly did that down in Missouri. Well, and the defense and special teams played pretty well. The first punt return I was reading in something like eleven years for a touchdown yep. uh, in in that in that game. That's pretty amazing. A lot of a lot of yards given up to Lincoln, but um, was that just a, a, a mat, more of a matter of a lot of young guys getting playing time? Some the Lopers blitzed a lot more in that game than they normally do. They were just taking chances because they knew Lincoln probably wasn't going to be able to hurt them. So they did give up a, a few big running plays, but uh, the, their biggest thing was in that game. They didn't want anybody key to get hurt. They wanted to give some of their key guys a break if they could. And they did that on both offense and defense. And they wanted to see what some of these younger guys could do. And, and you all know in this league, uh, there's not very many weeks on the schedule that that happens, that you can get in there and get a big lead and play some of the other guys and let them get some experience and certainly help the morale of the team of the program. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at what, you know, Missouri Southern, who was kind of that third, you know, or mm-hmm. second, second to last team, if you will, behind Lincoln and Northeastern, even Northeastern, honestly, this past weekend looked better than they have been um, more competitive. So, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely no off weeks. Well, let's talk about TJ Davis a little bit this season. I mean, obviously the only only player in the MIAA averaging over 100 yards rushing a game. He's he's leading the league in scoring. He's the only one in the top five that's not a kicker. Um, you know, he is obviously the straw that stirs the drink. And, uh, you know, and, and if they're going to have a, a big performance, a big win, he, if he plays well and, and, and Nebraska Kearney tends to play pretty well, what's the feeling on him and, and how, you know, he's followed up a, a great season with what he's doing this season? He's played pretty well. Uh, I think he'd be the first one to tell you he maybe has not played quite as well as he did a year ago. Uh, the rushing numbers are great. Now everyone's gearing gearing their defenses to stop him. Uh, the Lopers have kind of picked and choose their spots on where they wanted to go with the triple option. If you look at the statistics, the Loper passing game is not quite as good this year as it was a year ago, but still it's it's been efficient. I mean, they've been able to throw on their own terms. Um, he has not shown up and surprised anybody the last two, three years, so he is uh, the top guy that everyone wants to take away. Emporia State had a pretty good plan uh, to control him, uh, even though the loss to Pittsburgh State, and they have a wonderful defense. TJ still had a pretty big game against them, so he, he hasn't been maybe quite at the level he was a year ago, but he's still really, really good. And as far as I'm concerned, he is, uh, you know, one of the top guys in the league and, and one of the most dynamic players in the conference. And and if he's healthy and, and ready to go, uh, he gives the Lopers a shot against anybody. So uh, he's done just fine. It's interesting, as you alluded to, he is the, uh, the leading rusher in the conference. And I know the Lopers are on option football, but still that surprises me that you'd be this deep into a year when a quarterback is the leading rusher in the league. 
Yeah, well, well, let's talk about his backs back there. I mean, you know, there have been several in there. Monsters Jackson, Zwayne Schwang, which who's a guy that I, really interests me. He's, he, I think he he's a really really impressive guy. Damian Kearns. I mean, what um, what's the feeling around those guys and and around their ability to to kind of help out? And and you assume that one of the three of those guys will probably have to have a have a big game this weekend. Yeah, it's it's been running back by committee. Montrez Jackson normally starts the game. Damian Kearns is in there a lot. He's probably the best blocker of those four. And of course, for this option offense to work, the the backs and the receivers have to block. You mentioned Zane Zhuang. He's kind of come out of nowhere. He was a a walk on kid from uh, Waverly, Nebraska, and he ended up earning a scholarship at. Uh, this spring's UNK banquet with his work in the offseason. And he's he had the pump return on Saturday and also had a short touchdown run early on. And then you have Miko Mazner, the Carney kid. He's the, the sprinter out of the four. He's the fastest of the four backs. So uh, they've kind of played the hot hand. Uh, every, every game you go into, you think, okay, this might be the game for Montrez, and then it ends up being Kearns. And then sometimes it's been Zhuang. Zhuang was very impressive in the first month of the season. He got nicked up with an injury that slowed him down. But still, when he's been given opportunities, I think he's still averaging close to eight yards per carry or over seven yards per carry, which is just a a tremendous number for a running back in this league. So it's the best way to describe it is running back by committee. And that's how they've done it. Well, and I want to talk about the defense, too, because uh, I'll be honest, I was one of those people that kind of criticized the Carney defense a little bit before this season. And and it seems like they've they've played a lot better pretty well. I mean, the the yardage they've, I think, played a little bit better competition. And and, uh, you know, you have a game like Emporia that's going to you know bump your averages a little bit up. But, uh, you know, the, up there in sacks, what's what's the feeling on this defense? Because it looks like, at least from my viewpoint, that the defense has played better this season. They have uh, going into the year. I thought it was the best depth that they had had in the front seven in the in the six years that I've called the games. Now they've had some injuries. They lost their starting nose guard and CJ Sanui, who he was going to be a dude up front. They got him from New Mexico Military Institute, and then uh, he never did was able to play this year. Zach Schlager, he was injured in preseason. So those were two two key guys that they lost. The difference this year is they've had enough depth to kind of fill in there. Uh, Jimmy Harrison has taken the spot of Schlager, and he's led the team in, in tackling this year. And Jimmy's been a wonderful player, another one of those guys that got from the New Mexico Military Institute. And then they just kind of plugged in along the defensive line. Now, they did not have a good day against Emporia State. They they struggled to get off the field. Uh, tip your Cap to Emporia State. Uh, they were just ready to go that day. But other than that, where they've been pretty good this year is the Lopers have allowed people yards between the 25s. Then when folks have gotten inside the 25, 30-yard line, just outside the red zone, the defense has been pretty solid. Uh, that's where I've seen the, the biggest improvement this year. And when they were beaten by Pitt State on the long on the long pass at the end of the game, they just decided at that point, okay, we're we're not going to let that happen again. We're, we're going to force people to take it chunk by chunk. And and for the most part, that has worked. You know, the numbers are better. Uh, there for a while, they were giving up less than 20 points per game. That's one of the better numbers in the time that Coach Lynn has been there. So they, they made some improvement, but it's been impressive to see the improvement because they lost a couple of key cogs in that defense early on. 
Well, and then let's talk about special teams. A team like this against two teams fighting for the playoffs. It, you know, it, it sure certainly looks like it's it's uh, can gearing up to be a, be a close game where a big kick um, is you know can can be the difference or a big play in special teams. Obviously, I mentioned that you know the first punt, punt return for a touchdown in eleven years. But overall, how's how's Coach Lynn happy with how the special teams has performed this season? Been pretty solid. Lopers have one of the best punters in the league, and Hunter Kraus. Uh, he had a 73-yard punt a couple weeks back against Emporia State. With any good team, he's not had to punt a lot this year. But even in an Emporia State game, he did his job. He had seven punts, and he averaged over 50 yards per punt. So he's really, really good, and, and he's done a nice job of flipping the field for the Lopers when they have needed a particular punt. And then Junior Gonzalez has been pretty solid at kicker. He is a second all-time and point after makes at the school. He's been around a long time been about 50-50 on field goals. Uh, he hit one the other day against Lincoln. They've been solid. Uh, well, they did have the nice punt return against Lincoln for a score and, and on kickoff returns. It's not been outstanding, but it's been pretty solid. So that that certainly has not been a weakness for the Lopers, and it, and it certainly has been a strength with the work of uh, Hunter Krauss at punter. Well, and obviously this game, I mentioned, you know, it's homecoming in Kearney, and, and last year when, when the Lopers came to Maryville. It was also homecoming. You ended up with a pretty lopsided, just kind of crazy game. You play, play 10 times. It's probably a, a close game, nine out of those 10 times. What's the feeling? I mean, is, is it, was this a game that was circled at the beginning of the season? Is this a game that they've, that they've talked a lot about as far as revenge or, or is it just, Hey, we, you know, whatever we have to do, whatever to win and, and uh, you know, keep our playoff chances alive. Coach Lynn would say it's it's uh, and it's not coach speak. It's the game in front of you. It's, it's the one you have to get. Now the Lopers aren't going to forget what happened to them last year in Maryville, but that's because I mean the Bearcats were ready to go that day. That was a tsunami early on, and you know the Lopers were you know beating Sally that day. And it's been a long time since anyone's beaten them uh, like that. I, in my opinion, this game will come down to third down conversions for the Loper offense. They're going to face some third and longs because of Northwest Missouri's uh, the strength and, and how good they are up front. But how effective can UNK be picking up third down and six, third down and seven? And they may have to do that with the passing game. If they can do that, I think they've got a shot to move the ball a little bit and keep their defense off the field. That's what I think the key is. That's where UNK struggled against Emporia State. They missed some early opportunities on some plays where some guys were open, and TJ had an uncharacteristic bad day throwing the football. But I think that's that's what it comes down to because I don't think UNK is going to be able to line it up and, and, and run it at that front four and have a lot of success, probably not getting to the option a ton. So they're going to have to mix it up a little bit. It cannot be one-dimensional on Saturday. If they can find a way and make some plays in the passing game, uh, we'll have, we're going to have ourselves a game on Saturday. Well, and, and if, for for folks making the road trip, which I will be one of them, uh, coming out to the game on Saturday, what uh, um, it's, is it is it uh, you know I, I think early in the week, you know we don't know what the weather, but when we're recording this will probably change ten times. The forecast yeah. will between now and then, but looks like nice weather, but mm-hmm. um, should be. Seems like you guys always draw a really good crowd normally, but especially for homecomings, expecting a, a big crowd on on Saturday. It's hard to tell. It, it is really hard to tell. Nebraska is playing at 2.30, and that is the biggest thing we fight against. And Nebraska has a home game. Even though the Huskers have struggled, they've won enough and done some things under Mickey Joseph that folks are still kind of excited 
about the Huskers. So I, I wish our game was not at the same time on Nebraska's. Um, there'll, there'll be seats available. I'm, I'm hoping there's a, a nice crowd, and I think there would be a nice crowd. This is a real, really big game. But that's that's kind of how things work here when it comes to the Lobers. We've had some really nice crowds for some of our other games. And then, you know, the Emporia State crowd, uh, we weren't going up against Nebraska that day, and I thought there'd be more people there. So uh, you just never know. But as you alluded to, the weather should be decent on a Saturday and should be a great day for football. Well, and one last thing, I'm a food guy. So if we're looking for food after the game, us Bearcat fans that are in Kearney, give me a couple. You don't have to pick one necessarily, but <laughs> but uh, g- give me some choices. My go-to is jerseys, and it's on the north side of town. So that is uh, that would be my first stop to tell you to. But there, there are a number of great places there in uh, Kearney, but that's that's usually the go-to that our, our broadcast crew goes to. All right, perfect. Well, Jason, I sure appreciate it. it it's, it's uh, you know, it looks like it'll be a be a great game, and, and we hope it is. And thanks so much for coming on and, and chatting some Lopers and Bearcats with me. You bet. Hopefully we have a much tighter and a more competitive game than we had a year ago which i think surprised everyone going in i remember last year the the thought process going into that one was that hey this is going to be quite the game you know unk has arrived and northwest missouri had remembered what had happened the year before and we'll see if the lopers remember what happened the year before and uh, how they take on the bearcats Hey, this is Sean Paddock, uh, former defensive line for the Bearcats. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green, joined by Devin Albertson, talking some Bearcat football with the MIAA columnist on D2Football.com. And Devin, man, thanks for uh, joining me once again this week and and coming on Bleeding Green. Yeah, thanks for having me on there. It's uh... Nice little three-game stretch of us has here in the year that's going to determine a lot of things for how season, all the season's going to last. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Let's start with Saturday's game. We we were both there. I didn't think I was going to be able to be there. Kind of last-minute change and no complaints there. But um, homecoming and, of course, a pretty pretty comprehensive 36-3 to win over Northeastern State. Um You know, although definitely not without its, you know, areas for improvement and things, some turnovers I don't know if the defense could have played a whole lot better, but what are kind of your thoughts of uh, of that game on Saturday? Yeah, let's just start with the uh, with the defense real quick. So they allowed four yards of offense in the first half, <laughs> and then twenty three for the game. I was just looking at some funny things there because um, Northeastern scored three points. Well, they took over that drive at the Northwest twenty four yard line, ran six plays thanks to a penalty. They got a first down. The pass interference from Northwest on third down. They gained zero yards in the drive. They scored the three points on. Um, with it's kind of par for the course for their day. They had three first downs, two one bird penalty. Um, and actually, Northwest had more penalty yards than Northeastern had total yards, uh, 35 to 23. So it was one of the deals like Northwest defense couldn't have played much better. I know Volstead had that uh, really good pick in the first half, kind of deal, kind of set the tone for that defense. But um, Northwest defensively, I mean, if they play like that, they're going to win a lot of games. And then offensively, I thought they looked fine. I thought they, I mean, it's Northeastern State, so there's not a whole lot you can take away from it. In my opinion, kind of deal is kind of just turnovers versus when they play mediocre teams like that. They're like, eh, they get a little loose with the ball a little bit and just trying a couple of things out, which might might be a good thing there to try them out versus those teams and see if they work or not in those situations. So, but 
few things to work on, but they got a big game coming up this week. Yeah, well, and a guy who who had another big game, Kashawn Griffin, he's kind of become um, you know, that number really the number one receiver with, you know, mm-hmm. from a guy that probably wasn't in the top three, certainly wasn't a starter at the beginning of the season. He's battled through injuries, no um Trevon Alexander. And so that, you know, certainly you know, you'd think hurts the Bearcat offense, but not really. I mean, he's really come up big the last couple of weeks. Of course, he gets special teams player of the week. Um, you know, we saw a guy like Jay Harris, true freshman, uh, you know, score his first career touchdown as a Bearcat. So that's that's kind of exciting. Um, you know, yeah, really anything probably is is nit, nitpicking other than that. But they, you know, you know, you they probably after that first touchdown, you know, could have said, okay, let's shut up shop. We got enough points. But uh, yeah, so main thing I think was getting out of this game and try to get as healthy as you can going into this weekend's big matchup. Oh yeah. So that's the one thing that I was glad they kind of came out, which is healthy after that game. As you said there with Griffin, uh, he played fantastic. You know, he was the uh, winner of the um, Don Blackboard, I believe is what it's called mm-hmm. there. Um, they're yep. from homecoming from Northwest. So um, actually I voted on that. That was kind of cool. You have the press box and they were kind of deciding at the end of the, going to the fourth quarter. I'm like, it's gotta be Griffin. Cause it's not only him, as a receiver for the offense, that was before his touchdown there in the receiving game was just him as a returner last week, which was fantastic. It felt like uh, the one bright spot for Northeastern State was their punter. He was kicking the tar off the ball, but the only thing is I think he was out kicking his coverage a little bit there because he gave Griffin plenty of room to run kind of deal on there. So it was a very good performance by him. I think he's gotten healthier over the last few weeks. I think it's really kind of shown there so Mike Owens could kind of like give him some uh, trust there when it comes to giving him the ball in the open space. Well, and, and something that, that uh, my buddy Reed has said that, and, and I wholeheartedly agree with, is that when he runs, he just kind of glides. And I'll say it doesn't necessarily look like he's running that fast, but all of a sudden, he's just flying by guys. I mean, he is is electric with his speed, but his acceleration is also pretty impressive. Yes, it is. I mean, as you said, they're a very smooth runner. Um, certain some guys look at their pound on the ground when they're running. Other guys just kind of glide on top of it. And he's kind of more of a glider there. So, yeah, but he's a really fun player to watch kind of deal. And you can definitely see, I think, between him getting healthier and his just, I think, comfortability with the offense and the quarterback has improved as the year went on there. That's going to be a really big thing for Northwest um, going into the last three weeks here, just having a guy on the outside that the quarterback's going to trust, like, hey, he's going to be there in that spot or he's going to make a play for me in the other end kind of deal. No. Alexander was like that a little bit, and they have Hembro at tight end, who's a, I think a safe net for the quarterback. So I think a guy on the outside they know is going to win the majority of the time there in his matchup is going to help him out. Um, on the outside, gives the quarterbacks more confidence going forward as well. Well, in a, a big matchup, we go from our homecoming to Nebraska Kearney's homecoming this weekend, making the trip out out to Kearney, Nebraska, and, and uh, the Lopers. Obviously, you know, neither one of these teams, if you would have told them at the beginning of the season, they'd be sitting here at eight. Uh, six and two, eight games in would probably expect it or be happy with that. I know neither team is. And, you know, said, you know, pretty much after that pit lost is okay. The playoffs have started even have a shot to play after, after, uh, you know, November 12th against Emporia. And so it it'll, certainly a lot at stake and uh, it, boy, it ought to be a great, a great matchup. Um, I'm hoping they have a really good crowd out there as well Saturday. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere there in Carney. I'm excited to be up at Carney for the first time there. And um, I thought about this trip in the preseason kind of deal. Like, that might be 250 teams going for a conference title kind of deal. And it's a little bit different now. They both lost to um, Penn State there. Northwest has lost to UCO, while Carney's lost to Emporia, who Northwest played in a couple weeks here. 
Um, but even with both teams losing here, it's still, as you said, an elimination game there. Uh, two losses will probably be the max to get into the playoffs here in Super Region 3. And it's a big win for both these teams. Not only you get a win over a team, you can knock out of the playoff picture a little bit, but it boosts your resume because it's above 500, other other factors that go in there. But this is an elimination game um, for both these teams after their second loss there. So this is a huge matchup. I'm ready to see what kind of happens there. Last year, Northwest did a fantastic job on TJ Davis and limiting him from having a big day. And the Northwest played really well last year uh, for homecoming versus Carney. And I'm sure Carney's going to remember that and try to bring the extra umph today to adding any other uh, kind of big factors in this one. But the big thing is going to be that Carney offense that runs the ball so well at 271 yards per game versus the Northwest defense that through eight games has allowed a total of 258 yards in the season. That includes one 80-yard run on there. So under a yard of carry pretty much for that Northwest defense, only 32 yards per game. They're playing fantastic football in the front seven there. Uh, but we were talking before we started recording here, the big factor just might be if Carney can get a couple play-action passes over Northwest over the top. If they don't, I like the Northwest chance to limit that Carney offense. Because um, even if Carney scores most of their drives this year, it's because they've sustained a long 10-play, 10-12-play, going over 80 yards down the field kind of deal, and just pounding people with that rushing attack. If they can do that versus Northwest, more power to them. I don't see very many teams capable of doing that consistently, even the best running teams Northwest has seen. So, I like Northwest chances here just matchup-wise. It's just, is the offense going to be able to put up, get the 20, 24 points, and uh, give the defense enough breathing room to keep playing the way they want to play? Well, I know as, you know, I'll speak for myself as a Bearcat fan, you know, we kind of have, you know, feel pretty good about a rich right coach defense against against any kind of option attack, even the unorthodox option attack at Cardi, and that's, you know, I think definitely stopping the run and and I think if if TJ Davis has struggled anywhere it's probably been in the passing game if, if we're talking this season compared to last season I mean it's hard to to criticize the guy too much though he's still leading the leading the conference in rushing and he's leading the league in scoring in fact he's the only non-kicker in the top five so um you know as as Nebraska Kearney uh you know they kind of go as TJ Davis goes for sure yeah, absolutely. And he's always the X factor there. Um, I know Northwest did a great job on him last year. This is a different year, though. A couple different guys on both sides of the ball for each team there. And it just takes one or two runs for him to kind of get in a rhythm. And once he's in the open field, he is a tough guy to bring down. He's just so elusive and fast and he's strong as well. So he's a player that Northwest has to crowd early on and often. And I think they have a good chance of it. And I think uh, everyone there in the facility there in Maryville knows uh, TJ Davis is the guy we have to stop if we want to win this game kind of deal on there. So I'm intrigued to what Rich Wright kind of comes up with it. He didn't have very many bad game plans ever, especially versus you said with the any type of option team. So I'm sure they're getting that um, beaten to head this week of don't let two beat you and then kind of rally to the other guys there um, for Carney and just watch the play action. So, um, again, I like this Northwest defense against uh, Carney here. Uh, kind of a little different than when they played Pitt State, where it's like, yeah, they can sing the ball a little bit. That worries me a bit versus Northwest because we were talking pregame again, pre-show again, um, under 50% completion percentage against that Northwest defense. But when people do complete a pass, it's about 12 yards of play there. So it's a real boomer bust trying to play that Northwest secondary. Either it's a big gain or you gain pretty much nothing on there. So I'm intrigued to see what that kind of happens there um, with that side of it. And if Carney tries to attack – in the play action game more if they try to establish a little bit of run game versus a tough front. 
well. And then, you know, you look at look at the Northwest offense and, and obviously they found a little bit more offense the last kind of that second half against Pitt and then kind of carried that into the last two games. A, a, I don't know how healthy, but we'll say semi-healthy. Mikey Hohensee has certainly, um, you know, helped that in the last couple of games. We saw Braden back in kind of some limited action last week. And, uh, you know, as, as we kind of see some more guys maybe getting healthier, working their way in, I think Emporia kind of, you know, and they're a different kind of offense, certainly a different kind of passing mm-hmm. offense than the, what most people, what, what we see in the MIAA. But I think they did kind of expose some weaknesses in the, in the Kearney secondary that, that you, you look at a guy like Kashawn Griffin and, and some of the other guys that, that Northwest has at playmakers. And you think, well, there's, looks like there's, you know, some possible opportunities for some, some big plays for the Northwest yeah. offense as well. Yeah, absolutely. Northwest offense, they've been able to hit a few of those, especially with Griffin coming back here last few weeks um, healthier. He's done a great job with that. Uh, Jamar Moya is a just kind of utility dude for Northwest, whether they're trying the ball or coming in and playing the slot there for them. There are guys that can make big plays in this Northwest um, offense here still. And I think getting a little bit of solidif- uh, solidified there at quarterback with Hohenstein kind of back and healthy. I think he's played pretty well. Uh, we had the one interception last week that kind of a miscommunication with the blitz there. Uh, but I think overall he's made some pretty good decisions and kind of kept plays live with his feet a little bit there as well. Just kind of stay healthy. And I think the Northwest, the running game has been more consistent here recently as well. Um, just gaining those four or five yards at a time, putting the offense in second and sixes instead of second and nine. I think it's been a huge thing for this offense to be consistent more often. But as we've said the last couple of years with Carney, they did a better job this year. But them allowing those big plays that let teams kind of stick around with that rushing attack has really hurt them in some big games this year. So we'll see if Northwest can exploit that. And also got to keep an eye on the special teams, too, with Griffin playing so well. Northwest last year started the game off with that dynamic kickoff return for a touchdown, kind of setting the tone. Don't be surprised if a special teams player here or there can make a big change in this game because both these teams are pretty even this year. Well, and even in the kicking game, I you know, I mean, Carney's got a really good punter, but but Cole Lamel, yeah, he you know he did miss an extra point last week. He missed his first field goal of the year, but but I mean, you know, for, from last year to this year, massive difference in him. I think you know, a game like this could come down to a kick or something like that, and you know, it, it seemed like you know that there's I I would you know check advantage Northwest in in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think Northwest special teams have played pretty well this year. I mean, we talked about Lambles before. Um, I jinxed him in the press box there before, he, before the record-setting kick. Kind of like, oh, he's got this, and then he missed it, of course. So <laughs> I got heckled in the press box a little bit for that one, and probably for good reason. Um, and then John Coffey then jinxed him on the extra point later in the game kind of deal. So he had a little bit of a rougher game versus Northeastern, but he, other than that, he's been very solid this year, hitting some big kicks, big kicks including the game winner there versus Washburn. So, um, yeah, I like the kicking game right now um, with that for Northwest, and the return game's been pretty dynamic. So I don't have many worries with the special teams for Northwest. They can just take one big play there, and you're kind of on your heels. So we'll see what happens. Well, absolutely. Well, let's talk about the rest of this schedule a little bit. And kind of, you know, we had our, the first look at the regional rankings, although they're not really rankings because they just kind of gave us the top 10 teams in every region. And and not surprisingly, these two teams not there. You know, Northwest only has one victory over a team with a winning record. But, you know, all of the team, all of these last three teams are at or above 500. Missouri Southern, we'll see if they finish that way. They've got kind of a tough schedule. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, were you, I don't know, I don't, I don't think I was really surprised to kind of see the teams that were included. And what do you think, you know, a, a team like Northwest or if it's Emporia or if it's Kearney, what, do, what, do the, what does the MIAA have to do to get a second team in 
um, when we find out the, those very last rankings and who gets in the playoffs. Yeah, so I think Northwest has the best chance of those three if they win out to kind of be that team to get in. Not only because they have a decent resume at that point, it'll be just as good as Hardings and the GAC if they win out kind of deal. Um, and a couple other teams that are going to be on that bubble. Um, but well, the, the resumes are pretty equal, but also they'll have the name on there. So that isn't, isn't supposed to be a factor when it comes to regional rankings, but it's also like, hey, it is Northwest. Like the committee also knows, like if they put Northwest in the playoffs, people aren't going to be mad <laughs> at that point. Like it's not going to be like, hey, we made a big mistake here because they're going to lose by 70. Kind of I think that is a human aspect that does come to factor a little bit more Super Region, Super Region 3 than the other regions because there is no at a conference for the MIAA and another conference here um, in the region. So that might just be a tiebreaker that Northwest might get that Emporia might not, or Kearney might not kind of deal the same points. So I think in Northwest, if they went out, that means last month of the year, they went to Emporia and to Kearney and got two big wins there and kind of grown as a team. Um, Emporia state, I think they're probably second there because they had that win over Kearney. Uh, they only lost that one to Pitt state and had a weird kicking game to lose at UCO. So I think Emporia is in pretty good shape as well. Um, with that, if they're able to, if they went out kind of deal. So I think those two teams, I think Carney needs a lot more help. They probably need to beat Northwest and have Northwest beat Emporia for them to have a chance. Um, I think that last spot. And then it's whether the committee takes a two loss MIAA team, a third two loss GLIAC team, a, and then the GAC or GLBC team for two losses. There's going to be like four or five teams there battling for two spots. And it's going to be interesting to see what the selection committee does in that situation. But I like Northwest's chances to be one of those two teams selected in that situation. Yeah, I think so. I tend to agree. You know, I know there's there's always talk. I, you know, was was talking with with Brandon Meisner a little bit this week of of D2Football.com and about, you know, when they came out and people, you know, sometimes the, the knee jerk reaction of, you know, fans maybe not paying attention to to what those rankings are, really what they mean at this point or even um you know, even that they were just listed in alphabetical order and, and, and it isn't a ranking yet. And so, um, you know, I've heard the same things, but, but I think those of us that kind of pay attention to this, it's, it's not a big shock. I mean, I don't, I don't think Northwest should be there at this point, but at the same time, I'm not worried about it, honestly, as a Bearcat mm -hmm. fan, because I know if the Bearcats take care of business, most they're going to be right there. Now, could they miss the playoffs? Well, certainly they could, but boy, you know, you look at this stretch of three games and I don't think, you know, this definitely isn't the Missouri Southern of old Emporia, mm -hmm. you know, I, boy, can the Northwest defense hold a, hold a Braden Gleason to 88 passing yards again this year? I, I don't, I don't know, you know, that boy, that <laughs> seems like an awful tall task mm -hmm. with how he's playing and, and how Emporia is playing overall. But, um, you know, it, it, it's be hard to argue, especially you throw that Washburn game in there and okay. Yeah. Northeastern, whatever, but you know, four out of those last five games, you come out pretty battle tested. And if this team can have some semblance of getting healthy, um, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's a lot of what ifs, but you know, we don't have yeah. to plan for this Loper game this weekend. <laughs> we can talk about that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We can pontificate all we want to on this situation because it's not going to affect the game at all because we don't have anything to do hands on with it. So but yeah, that's one thing we're kind of looking at there. I think if you're a Northwest fan, you're looking at uh, the score this week between Missouri Western and Missouri Southern. And I know it's going to be hard for the Bearcat fans. They need to root for the Griffins to lose um, on that game to help them out with the possibility to get another team above 500 on the schedule because this could be one tiebreaker to break a tie with the um, Great American Conference schools kind of deal. If there's an extra team above 500, it's a very tertiary um, 
stat, but I think last year it got Washburn into the playoffs with that third MIAA team. So that's just one thing to kind of keep an eye on there. You want as many um, good selection type criteria in your favor as possible if you're Northwest, and that would be one that would help you out um, with that. And again, for Northwest at this point, if you're if you are the team, it's just – we got to win out and then just put pressure on the committee to leave us out kind of deal at that point. Like don't give them any reason to not include you on their win out, take care of business the rest of the way. And you'll be good to go. So I like Northwest chance. I know Braden Gleason, he is playing fantastic. I've raved about all year in my column kind of deal. I think he's the best quarterback. TJ Davis is the best player. He's the best quarterback in the conference this year. And he's just been just super efficient. That's going to be interesting to see versus the Northwest defense that makes you be inefficient but explosive. So we'll see what, how that kind of matchup goes down in that one. So that should be a really fun game there in the season. We'll see if I can make it over in Emporia for that one. Cause it might be a, another playoff game atmosphere. Well, no, uh, no lack of drama or excitement these last few weeks and, and we'll see what happens. Devin, I as always, always buddy. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks Matt. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. You know what time it is. It's time for the Bearcats, according to Eli. Eli, buddy, what's going on? Um, nothing. I'm just chilling. Well, you're going to have to carry this segment, brother, because I'm, I'm croaking over here. Can barely, can barely talk. I know. I'm going to, um, this time you're going to hear me talking way more. Okay. Well, Bearcats won 36 to 3. You, you unfortunately missed your boy, Elijah Green. With a pass reception on a fake punt. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I wish I could have saw it. Yep. But, uh, hey, another good win for the Bearcats. Yep. So if we're going to have a shot at the playoffs, got to keep winning. Just got to win, like, two more games? Three? Yep. Two or three? All right, you want to look at our predictions? Yes. From last week. I would love to. Okay. I'm not going to recap the games because I don't have much of a voice left. But we'll we'll start uh, Missouri Western at Pitt. Actually, a close game. Western led at halftime, then scored 21 and answered in the third quarter with a 28-16 victory. I had 28-13. That was awfully close. You had 28-10, so both of us were pretty close on the score. So there you go, one and zero. How do, how do you feel about that? I was a little surprised that game was so close. Yeah, should have been a bit. Okay. Not close. UCO was at Washburn. I think you know. I I went for uh, a 35-31 Washburn win. They won thirty-seven to nine. You actually picked UCO in this game, yeah. and I understand you're you're trying to pick up a game on me trailing. So. You did pick UCO. Um, you did pick UCO. I, I thought it would be a much closer game than it was. It wasn't hardly a ball game at all. UCO, UCO scored late to even get to nine points. So that was that was a little bit surprising. Agreed. All right. So I, I pull ahead, pull ahead by one there, and then the shocker to me was in Fort Hayes. 
um, they beat Central twenty four or twenty seven to fourteen. I had we both had Central winning that game. I had twenty four sixteen. You had twenty seven seventeen, and Hayes ended up pulling it out and getting their second win of the season. So we both missed that one, buddy. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. All right, Nebraska Kearney went to Lincoln. No big shocker. They went 66-17. You had 78 to nothing, Kearney. I went 56-10. It was a lot to not a lot. You know, blowout, kind of what we expected to see. And Emporia, a little bit closer game with Southern than a lot of us thought. They had to score late. They trailed going into the fourth quarter. They end up winning 24-21. You had 27-16 Emporia. I had 28-17, but we ended up both getting that game right. And then, of course, the Bearcats beating Northeastern State for the homecoming game in Maryville last week, 36-3. I had 44-7. You had 56-14. All of that means I was 5-1. and one. You were 4-2. and two. And so <laughs> that puts me at 37-11 and 11 on the season. You fall another game back, four games back at 33 and 15. Well, I'm going to have to get four disagreements to get all of them right to even tie you. Well, I don't know. There's three more weeks, so you've got to get, you have to have to do probably a couple each week, or at least a couple in two of those weeks. All right, are you ready for this week's predictions? Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll start. Lincoln goes to Warrensburg to take on Central. It won't be a game. 54-14 Central. That's what I'm going with. You know, today I'm feeling like Lincoln sucks like normal. Uh, <laughs> Central. Uh, what was your score? Your score is 56-14, right? 54-14. Oh, my. I can't listen. Uh, I'm going to go with a bit lower, 48 to 14 no yeah 14 I'm okay with that I'd be kind of surprised if they could put that much out there but I think if they really 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 try they're going to get a a few field goals All right, Missouri Southern travels to St. Joe to take on Mo West I I'm going with the Griffins, which probably means they'll lose. Just about every time this season I've picked Mo West, they've lost. And uh, and so that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. I'm going to go 24-21 Missouri Western. You going to go with Southern in this game? No, not at all. You're going to go Western? Uh-huh. They got a better score board. Just kidding, they don't. They have way worse. The Western? Yeah. Yeah, they've won fewer games. Southern's got four wins. Western has three. Actually, Southern, Southern, Southern. I'm giving you the opportunity here, buddy. If you want to make up a game, that's kind of a coin flip game in my opinion. So, all right, Missouri Southern, what are you going to say for a score? I really think there's a big chance it'll be close. 32-21. That's not that close. Hey, yeah, 
I think it'll be a close, low-scoring game. Maybe the first team to 20 might win that game. I don't know. All right, Fort Hayes travels to Emporia. Emporia's kind of the hot team right now. Until last week when Southern almost beat them. But uh, Emporia's kind of in the same spot as Kearney and Northwest. They've got to keep winning to have a shot at the playoffs. They do find themselves in the top 10 of the regional rankings. I, I say this one's not that close. Hayes is just really young, and uh, they, they just don't have it this year. I'm going to go 35-17 Emporia. I'm going to have to agree with you, Emporia. Amazing team. What's your score, pal? I think I'm going to go with, I feel like it's going to be a close game. A 24-21 field goal. That would mirror the score from last week in the Emporia game. That would be true. All right, are, are you okay? We we have a problem. He lost his glasses. Oh, my here. glasses fell off. Okay, there we go. He's back. All right, Pitt has to go to Edmond, Oklahoma, take on UCO. That's if Pitt's going to lose one of these games. I mean, they they also have Washburn left on their schedule, which isn't a slam dunk. I. I don't know. UCO, they definitely lost some confidence of a lot of people last week by kind of laying an egg. But they're at home. I don't believe they've lost yet at home this season. I'm going Pitt, though. I can't oh, I really pick against Pitt. I was about to say, if you pick UCO, you're insane. <laughs> 31-20, Pitt. That's what I'm going with. What do you got? A bit higher. I'm 36 I feel like it'd be such a close game because UCO is a very good team, but Pitt, I just feel like Pitt's better. Yeah, I think UCO is going to have a problem scoring against Pitt, but I don't know. It could be wrong. UCO is going to probably have to keep Pitt under 20 if they want to win that game. Washburn takes on Northwest's opponent from last week, Northeastern State. They go down to Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Win for Washburn handily. In my opinion, I'm going to go 45-13 Ichabods. I would say the Northeastern. Just kidding. I would only say that if I was a person, but I'm not a person. Uh, Interesting. I'm really confused now. Washburn, I can tell the future. I really like 56 when they're against Lincoln or... Uh, Northeastern, so mm-hmm. 56 to uh, Washburn's defense is pretty decent, but I think they'll get uh, nine. They'll get a few field goals. Okay, they do have a good kicker. So. All right, and then the game of the week in the MIAA, it's got to be in Kearney, Nebraska, homecoming. We plan on being there. And uh, sh- should be a great game. I think it is going to be a great close game. I think the can T.J. Davis complete a couple of long passes against Northwest defense? If Carney wants to win, that's going to have to happen. I think the Bearcats, though, have some confidence. They found a, a heck of a weapon in Kashawn Griffin, although there are lots of injuries and other things going on. Um, I say 31-27. Bearcats. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, good, good, just good. I feel like their our defense, incredible. Their defense, also incredible. Not incredible, but they have a good defense. We have a great defense. 
My opinion. My green tinted glasses. Well, your opinion sucks. I'm just joking. Mm. Uh, mm, I'm going to go with Northwest. <laughs> you You've never good. picked against the Bearcats. That's yeah, I the most no matter what. unreal, unnecessary amount of pausing that's ever happened on here. Yeah. You're not picking against them. No. I All right. Well, North Bearcats win. What's your score? Uh, Are you okay? Yeah. Since they're both good teams, a low scoring. Uh, 27. Is that the winning score? Yes, it is. 27 is the winning score. 21. Like, maybe like a touchdown. Okay. Or something. Couple maybe field goals. Something. Yeah. There we go. So are you excited? Yeah. About very. the road trip? Yeah. It's like four and a half hours. Like to Carney. We gotta wake up at seven. Seven thirty. And it's gonna be so fun to wake up at seven thirty. Just kidding. On a Saturday, I don't I don't even necessarily think that's fun, but I w- the things we do for our bearcats, right? Yep. I wake up at six on weekends sometimes. You'd be surprised. I'd just stay in my bed and watch YouTube though. Just kidding. I don't have YouTube till seven, so I just sleep. Hmm. I try to sleep as long as possible. Mom should let us have it at seven. I mean at six. Not seven. I don't so I don't know any up. Saturday morning that you guys have gotten up at six. I've got up at six fifty eight, okay? And I wanted not to wait two minutes, but I'm so patient that I waited two minutes. You know, your generation and your age doesn't know the joy of waking up early on a Saturday morning and watching cartoons on TV. Of course, this was all pre-internet, pre-smartphone. Get up, watch watch some Bugs Bunny. Holy smokes, are you okay? I'm fine. The chair's not. Holy cow. You just about blew out my eardrums in these, in these headphones here. Okay, he's okay. The chair's fine. Oh, thank goodness. Just a little dust on him. But uh, we kind of played a fun game last night. Your mom and I played oh, with yeah, you boys. Oh, yeah, that was so fun. She would ask us stuff if we knew met, and then we had to guess stuff, and the only one I got right was dial-up it because I knew dial-up was internet Yep. because I'm so smart. My favorite of your answer, though, and you and your brother, who's 13, had the same answer. What's a fax machine? A machine that spits straight facts. <laughs> that was that was pretty great. We should do something like that. Tonight. What was the other one that I said? Rolex? A Rolodex. Oh, yeah, and I just said it's like a watch. It's just a Rolex. Uh, some, some form of Rolex watch. Yeah. Yep, and I was totally right. Totally. Anybody wants to have some fun, and uh, your kids are born since 2000, that's, that's kind of a fun... A fun little game to play. Yeah, we should. You guys should keep adding stuff to the list, and like every night, you'll see if we know what stuff means. I tell you what, tweet me underscore bleeding underscore green on Twitter a question you want me to ask Eli. Yeah, that'd be so awesome. And hashtag it, ask Eli, and uh, and tweet Q&A. at me. I'll ask him on the podcast next week. Q and A. 
So we'll see if we can Q and A because there's a pager. Q and A. There's a few other things. And a Q and A. A Q and A. Yeah, you know what that means, right? Question. Yeah, and question answer. and answer. It's it's not a Q and A. A Q and A. Then Eli and his brother were uh, were trying to teach us some sayings. Yep. Like we won't we won't some of them involve guns and uh, let's just leave that off the podcast. No, I was gonna say drip. Like check out my drip. And what did that mean again? It just meant swag, basically. Okay. Like, bro, check out uh, that. That one is one I had not heard. Yeah, neither has mom. I had to use it in sentence. I should have used that. I should have asked Mikey that in my interview with him this week. <laughs> but, all right, buddy. Well, that's about going to do it. What do you, what do you, how are you going to close it out this week? We may both sound kind of weird. Well, I don't sound as weird as you. You sound normal. I sound like there's a frog living in my throat. Because there is. Uh, I know that you ate a frog. Uh, but yeah, the bearcats are green. They're not, uh, well, they're not gray. They're not red. They're not light red. And, never mind, I'm not going to say that. Uh, and they are just green. I love that you always pick something to compare it against. Tell, Do you know what that painting is that you're looking at? Yeah. Didn't Aunt Rachel paint it? Yeah, uh-huh. my sister painted me this wonderful, beautiful painting of the Eye of Sauron and Mount Doom because I am a massive Lord of the Rings nerd. And uh, also, I did not know it, she made that. That looks so good. Yeah, it's amazing. That's what he was pulling. His I love it when you look at those. Yeah, I stare at that like the whole time. I'll just stare at these. I'll just stare at like the... Two pictures beside me, which two of them are bear cats, and then the one that my aunt made. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, what do you think? I haven't really, I really have, I don't have all the trim up in my studio slash office, so I haven't posted any pictures or anything online. What do you think about this the space so that we've beautiful. got out here? I just love it. It's just beautiful. Lots of bear cat stuff, huh? Uh huh. Probably. I, it's Bay Air Cat themed. It's almost your all Bay Air Cat stuff. Your air conditioner even has a Bear Cat sticker on it. Yeah, the red, white, and blue paw yeah. for Military Day. Yep. You also have it on your computer and another one on your computer. You got a lot of Bear Cat stuff. You also got a Bear, Bobby Bear Cat plushie by the window. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. All right. Is, is that... Yeah, how, let's wrap this thing up together this week. Okay. Like you good how? with that? Yeah. Well, I always promote social media. You probably don't know any of the... I mentioned Twitter. Oh, wait. We're going to promote stuff like a product? No. Come like, buy some Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I get a please a sponsorship from Doritos? That would be amazing. Or like Lay's chips. I would, I would eat them on the air. Oh my gosh, like ASMR eating jury. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not podcast. that it's not really that kind of podcast. I'm not gonna make weird mouth noises into the microphone. All right, that's yeah, that's <laughs> let's put a kibosh Okay, promote on that. your social media. Okay, well if if you would like are so inclined to, would definitely appreciate it. Follow the podcast on Twitter underscore bleeding Q&A. underscore green. Yeah, tweet your questions at me. I don't care. Please. Tweet your questions at Eli. I want to answer them. I want to answer them so bad. It'll be great. On Facebook, Bleeding Green Podcast, the group, 
like and follow that page as well. And of course, you can go to bleedinggreenpodcast.com. And uh, as always, Q&A. Go Bearcats. And go Q&A. Go Bearcats.